Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Here we go. Good morning, church. How are we doing? We are live. We're still in turkey coma. I would be if we, uh, you know, I'm keeping eating leftovers. We had a 17-pound turkey this year. It was amazing. It's incredible. It's fresh off the farm. Best turkey I've ever had in my life. So farm to table, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. And it's legit. It was lean. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about turkey. I also ate desserts. I had pumpkin pie with cream cheese, I think it was on it. And then we had silver cheesecake. And so what I learned this week was that silver cheesecake can cover the loss of the Cowboys. And so that's what I was enduring as I watched the Cowboys. I was enjoying some silver cheesecake. So it was incredible. I had way too much. But um, if we have not met today, obviously I'm not Pastor Daniel. Uh, I'm a little darker. and not, Your eyes aren't messing with you. Uh, this is me. My name is Chris, and I am just a son of the house. I'm just somebody that they have uh, believed in and loved in and taken care of me since I was in my 20s, since I was a young man. I'm just kidding. And since I was young, they have been a part of that. And so it's just an honor of a lifetime to be up here. Thank you for everything that y'all do, seen and unseen, the prayers, the work. Janelle, you almost gave your life. Just um, amazing. And that season actually played a part into what I'm speaking into today because they, they, they can't do it all. It can't fall on, the, the work of the church cannot fall on just Daniel and Janelle as our pastors. They play a huge, huge role in it in giving us vision and seeing us go forward, but there's a role that we need to play. And that's what we're talking about today, and I'm going to go ahead and pray really quick before we get started. God, we just thank you for today, uh, just an amazing, beautiful weather that you have brought to Texas. In Jesus' name, we receive it. We pray that it stays all the way through February, that we are not allowed to sweat again until March. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, I came here in 2011. It's been 10 years. It's crazy. It's been 10 years at Grace Avenue, and it's been obviously the best thing that's ever happened to me. Me and my wife, I met my wife here, Kayla. If you know Kayla, she's the beautiful blonde that is mine. Um, you can say hi to her, but that's about it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. She is amazing. And uh, we have a son now. We have a one-and-a-half-year-old son. He's 18 months. He is a joy. He's so much fun. I love hanging out with him. But being here in 2011, I were in the movie theater at that time. And I remember walking into the movie theater, and uh, if you know me, um, I'm a huge Cowboys and Lakers fan, which is like the complete opposite of Pastor Daniel. <laughs> this is what he rebukes every Sunday from the platform here. But I, my first Sunday at Grace Avenue, I wore a jacket. It was a Lakers jacket. It was, honestly, it's probably one of the most gaudy things I've ever had in my life. But it had all the championship banners that the Lakers had won from the 60s, 50s, 60s, all the way through the mid-2000s. And uh, I wore that jacket my first Sunday. And Pastor Daniel obviously spotted me in this jacket. And he was like, man, let me pray for you really quick. I don't know if I can let you in the door any, any further than this. Uh, we're going to pray for you. We pray that the spirit of Lakerness just fall off of you. And I said, the spirit of championships is what you mean. And uh, anyway, so that's how, that's how we met. Uh, as I mentioned, I was in college at the time. I was here at UTSA. I was studying a marketing degree. I graduated in 2014. Meet, meet, go runners. We unfortunately lost yesterday. No undefeated season, but I'm still proud to be an alumni. 
And one of the things that God began to stir in me is a passion to see my peers live for Jesus. To see the people that were partying all week long change their lives and live dedicated to God. Stop worrying about what other people thought of them, who they could hook up with, what they could drink, new things that they could do. I wanted them to see the goodness of God that I experienced as a young man. And so this is what was stirring in me 10 years ago. And, and Pastor Daniel, Pastor Janelle began to steward that fire, began to steward that calling. So we started a connect group. You know, connect group season hopefully is coming up after the holidays. Anybody ready for connect group season? We had a connect group back in the day. It was, it was focused on college students. I actually opened up my apartment for this connect group. And <laughs> funny story, it's not in my notes, but I just remembered it. Um, the first connect group we met, I'm like worried. I'm cleaning the house. I'm mopping. I'm cleaning everything. Pastor Daniel was going to speak this, this, uh, this connect group night. And I remember he walks in the door and he's got this tub of things. Everything a house would need to fill homey. Uh, uh, tissues, uh, soap, toilet paper. Um, and I, he walks to the door and he says, here, Janelle thinks uh, you needed some of this stuff. And I said, I'm not an animal. Like, I'm in college. I get it. But I have toilet paper. I was raised in a good house. Um, we, I do have soap. This is a thing that I was growing up using. And so <laughs> as much as they've poured into me, they've also made me laugh so much over the years. It's been incredible. And being planted here, they're not the only ones who impacted me. Pastor Josh, Pastor uh, John, Pastor Henry, they've all played a part in my journey and seeing me grow into the man that you see today. Taking a college kid who thought he knew everything, who thought he was, you know, very confident and cocky and all this stuff, and matured him to be the humble man you see before me. That's weird to say. Um, anyway, in 2016, we started our youth ministry, Avenue X. And we also started C20. Kayla started C20, our young adult ministry. It was absolutely amazing to be involved in these. I immediately wanted to serve and be a part of these two ministries. Why? Not just so I can hang out with my friends and wear cool clothes and act like I'm younger. It was because I believed in raising up the next generation. I believed in seeing the next generation of believers understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I was still figuring it out. I didn't have everything figured out. I still don't. But I wanted to pour out what God had already poured in me through prayer and through worship and through reading the word and through connecting with our pastors over the years. And I wanted to pour that out to other people because I saw people hurting. I remember going to class and seeing people just so lost on campus. It broke my heart. I would pray as I would walk to classes. I would try to connect with somebody on the bus from my apartment to college. And that's actually how I met some of my best friends. As we started talking about God and talking about Jesus and what we're doing in our lives. And we were the weird ones left on the bus at the end. But it was amazing to see. And there's been fruit because of that. Because I was able and I was willing to put myself in those situations. One of my favorite things about the kingdom is how God is weaving together individual stories, generations, and nations for his eternal purpose. That's one of my favorite things. If you look around the room today, not everybody in here is the same age. Not everybody in here is the same race. Not everybody in here is from San Antonio. We're all different. And God does this intentionally. This is the kingdom. The kingdom is diverse. We're called to reach a world that's diverse. We need to be diverse. And that's not just a racing. That's, that's ages. That's everything. Backgrounds, understanding, experience. 
He sees lives, God sees lives in the context of the kingdom, in the context of the big picture. There's people that you will reach that obviously weren't in my <laughs> college classes. There's people that I'll reach that, that aren't in your world, right? We need each other if we're going to reach our city. We typically think of our lives and, and our lives as a lifespan of when we were born to when we die, right? We typically think this way. It's, it's a linear reality. If you're a Marvel fan, it's a linear universe, right? We don't think about all the other people and all the other things that are happening. We're so consumed with what's happening in us. But the reality is that our decisions and our lives impact the next generations. There's a reason why there's generational curses, right? There's a reason why there should be generational blessings as well. Because our lives have an impact on the next people coming up, good or bad. And God builds generationally. And if we understood this, we would live differently. We would speak differently. We would make decisions differently. We would act differently. And I hope that that's what you catch today, is that we can live differently and we can bless our kids and our grandkids. We can bless somebody else's kids because of the life that we lived. Pastor Janelle shared this scripture with me as I was preparing this week, and it's Psalm 100, verse 5. It says, For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Notice that you don't have to work for that. God is generously giving this to each generation. All we have to do is flow through us. All we have to do is allow this to move through our lives and play a part in it by making wise decisions. He may not bless you being out of the bar. I don't know. He may, but he may not. When I think about this in my life, I, I immediately think of my dad. My dad has been a produce manager for about three decades in Carville, it's about an hour from here, and everybody knew him. If you know, you need watermelon, you need produce to cook meals, right? Everybody's going to see him. So for a span of 30 years, people have interacted with him in this city, and if you know Kerrville, it's only a city of 20,000 people, 25,000 people, right? And I recognize that as they begin to know him, they begin to know me. They begin to recognize me. I remember being at the Alamo Dome, watching the Alamo Bowl, uh, which is 50,000 people, 60,000 people at the Alamo Dome. And I'm walking to my seat, and somebody stops me. He's like, hey, hey, you're Joe Martinez's son. I was like, what? I'm in San Antonio. There's 50,000 people in this room, in this, in this building, and you recognize me because of my dad? I was blown away. I didn't know what to say. We were at the mall last year shopping for Christmas, and there was some couple that was walking in the middle of North Star Mall, and they stopped us. And they said, hey, hey, you're one of the Martinez guys, right? I was like, What? We're in North Star. You know how many Martinez's are probably here in this <laughs> lobby right now? Like, are you sure you got the right one? Um, and she said, yeah, 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 your dad's Joe. And I'm just like, oh, man, like the blessings and the reputation and the life that my dad lived, I got to receive this. And I didn't have to do anything for it. It wasn't because of the life I was living. They may have known that, but it was because of the life my dad lived. And this is what you can have an impact on. So the scripture says this in Proverbs 22.1. Choose a good reputation over great riches. You can get all the money you want. <laughs> Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. How incredible is it? That's what I got to live. And that's my life. In the Bible, we see this in Genesis, in the Old Testament. We see this with Abraham. Abraham had a son uh, out of wedlock with his 
slave, if I could say that, with his slave, um, and they had a daughter, our son. And God began to speak to Abraham about the promise of what he was going to give him, even though he committed this already. And God made a covenant with him, promising that anyone who came from his lineage would be so blessed. After Abraham passed on, his descendants Isaac and Jacob came along, and God began to refer to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not just Abraham. How incredible is that? For me, it would look like God is the, is the God of Joe and Chris and Jaden. That's amazing when you apply your own name into God's story, isn't it? He's highlighting the significance of generational blessing. It says this in Exodus chapter 3. Moses is, is, is getting ready to take the Israelites out of Egypt. He's getting ready to take them out to the promised land. And he sees the fire bush. You know the story. And God says this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. See, he even had to share that with somebody else, not in Abraham's direct lineage. He had to share that with Moses to remind them, hey, I'm a generational God. I think this way. Think about this. Think about the decision you're making taking the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. Think about the blessings into this. Moses was terrified. Moses was scared. He was nervous. He didn't believe in himself. And God was reassuring him, don't worry, I am. I got you. You don't got to worry about that. In the New Testament, we see this in a lot of ways, but one of my favorite ways is, is the Apostle Paul. Paul uh, writes all of these books of the New Testament to the churches, Romans, Ephesians, uh, Corinthians, all of these books. And Paul didn't function as just a traveling pastor. He wasn't a one-man show. He began to raise up people in, that he encountered at these churches. He began to raise up people like Timothy and Titus in particular. He began to develop them and be a father, a spiritual father to them. And this is important because they're young. They don't know what they don't know in the same way that I didn't know what I didn't know. And it was a lot. Um, He made Timothy and Titus partners in his own ministry. He didn't say, hey, you guys can help out. You can stack chairs. You can do whatever you need to do. But just remember, when it's time to speak, it's mine. Time to shine. He let them actually go into the other churches and speak on behalf of himself. He actually sent them out in the authority in the same way that Jesus sent out the disciples in his authority to cast out demons and to, to raise up the next generation, to encourage believers, to deal with problems the churches were dealing with in these books. And they administered specifically together. And he says this in each of them, 1 Timothy 1 chapter 2, and then Titus chapter 1, verse 4. He calls them this, I'm writing to Timothy, I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith. How incredible is it that we get to share that today? Who in your life can you share that to? Who in your life can you call a true son or a true daughter in the faith? If you can't, that's okay. It's time to start having conversations. It's time to start building relationships with somebody else, building the next generation, because somebody needs a spiritual father. Somebody needs a spiritual mother because they didn't get a natural father or a natural mother. And it's disconnecting them from God. So you can be the thing that unlocks the goodness of God as a father to people. Are you willing to do that today? So along with Titus and Timothy, there's others that Paul raised up. And he can say they continue to move the church forward. And we can learn so much from this as a church. The biggest thing that I prayed for this week is that the church would not end with us. 
that Grace Avenue wouldn't just be a blip in the history of time saying, oh, they had a great tenure run, kind of like the Spurs. Um, but it would go on forever like the Lakers. In Jesus' name, we would raise up and pray for free agents. And, um, and this is, this is what will happen if we don't do this. Because I, I, I gave you the good side. I want to give you a picture if we don't do this. And it's in Judges chapter 2. At this time, Moses has passed away. Joshua, who took over after Moses passed away, they're in the promised land. And this is what happens in the next generation in, chapter, in Judges. It says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. This isn't that far. This is literally my son to my dad. This is not far. Maybe a span of 60 years, 70 years. They like that. People forgot the goodness of God. I don't want that for my son. I don't want that for your kids. I don't want that for Avenue X sitting out there learning about God right now. I don't want that for our young adults trying to figure things out in the world. I want them to know the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but that, that passage fires me up. That's what pushes me forward to continue doing the things that I'm doing. Sure, I could do a lot of things with my life. I have a career. I got a job. Where would I rather be? Here. I'd rather be here building up the next generation. That's what pushes me. The cost is too great. And so God birthed these things in me over the years. And Paul actually talks to this uh, over in his books in the New Testament, how it's important to have older men, older women raise up the next generation. And there's no age limit on that, by the way. You're not like, yeah, I hit 25. I'm, I'm an old man. Yeah. If God has matured you that way, then you're ready to, to pour it to the next generation. So don't feel like you're left out. Don't feel like you have to reach something or an age or a place. God's doing something in you that needs to be shared. And so this is how it began to shift for me. Over the last decade, our pastors, other people in the church have poured into me, and I've been able to watch and observe them be fathers. And then be husbands. And then see them lead people. And it took me having a humble and teachable spirit to receive that. Not saying, oh, yeah, that's good for them. But I know, I know it's good for me. I know, I know what God's called me to. No, no, no. I had to receive humbly and teachably, being teachable, and submit to the spiritual authority that God's placed in my life. And from there, I began to grow. And God can work with that. Pride, has, he has a tough time working with that. And he, he began to shift some things for me over the last decade. And I'm going to give you four things that he began to shift for me. He began to shift my perspective to what God is doing in me for me to what God is doing in me that's for the next generation. Shift things from what God is doing in me for me, the blessings that I receive, all these things, to what is God doing in me that's, in, that's for the next generation. Over the last couple of years, I found myself having conversations that our pastors had to have with me. And it cracks me up. I'm like, whoa, wow, how the tables have turned. How does he say it? On the office, how the ter- uh, tables, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I remember a particular conversation in my early 20s about being held accountable when it came to dating. When it came to talking to girls and playing with girls' hearts and all of these things, I had a serious conversation like this in my early 20s. And it changed my whole perspective on dating, on relationships, on women, on the character of a godly man. And 
it shaped everything. And now I get to be the husband that I'm called to be. I get to be the father that I'm called to be. Because somebody was willing to have that tough conversation with me. And I realize now all those things that were worked out for my life, yeah, I've been able to have an amazing life. I have an amazing wife, an amazing marriage, and an awesome kid. And it's not just for me, though. I have to share that with somebody else. And in these conversations, I remember telling them things, and it's almost like a recorder, like on Home Alone, where he's got the recorder. I watched it yesterday. Um, he got the recorder and is saying the same thing that they told me. And I was like, whoa. This is what generationally what God does. God works something out in you so that you can share it with somebody else. It says this in Psalms 145. Verse 4, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. This is what we're called to do. Our, as our generation that's alive right now, we're called to raise up the next generation and tell them the goodness of God in our lives, to share with them what God's doing. And being planted in the local church, you can do that. You can do that with somebody sitting across the road from you right now. After service, you can catch up with them. The second thing is he began to convict me to model what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus in terms of reading the word, worship, and prayer, and community. And over the years, he's, he's worked this out in me. This isn't an overnight process. He began to stir these things in me. At first, it was the word. I wanted to study. I wanted to read. I wanted to know the context, the historical context. I'm kind of a history guy, so I, w- I was looking up pictures of the temples and all these things, and I wanted to know what was God doing in the Bible, what was God doing there? I began to memorize it and speak it over my life. And I dove deep. And, and when it came to worship, <laughs> this is funny because you talk about music a lot. But when it came to music, this was pre-streaming days. Still, I'm not that young. But pre-streaming days, right? So no Spotify, no Apple Music. You had to buy music, whether a CD or a digitally on iTunes. And I remember I had thousands of songs. None of which honored God. Um, and all of it was, was feeding my heart and feeding my spirit and feeding my soul the wrong ideas, the wrong things to think about life, the wrong things to think about my peers. And so God began to stir my heart, delete it all. The what? I'm not deleting that Lil Wayne album. That thing was fire. And he was like, no, do it. Do it. So I deleted it all, like 1,200 songs. Deleted. Gone. Like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I want you to worship me. I want you to worship me with your music. So I began to work, buy and, and illegally download. God, I repented. Um, <laughs> illegally download music that worshiped God. Right? <laughs> Terrible saying this. You can edit it out of the podcast. But I remember doing this, and it began to change my heart. It began to change my life. It began to change my spirit when it came to how I viewed people and God and, and the world that I lived in. I begin to see the hope that we talked about, that we sang about this morning. When it came to praying, it started casually over conversations, talking to people and, and praying in the car, like awkwardly, but praying. And then over time, I began to pray for others. What are you going through, man? Like, can I pray for you? Go, people going through a hard time, you know? And I began to lay my hands on people. God, I'm believing in the same way the disciples did and Jesus did that the Bible talks about in terms of the power of God healing people, and miracles happening. I began to see that in my own life flow because I was willing to do that. Begin to stand in the gap for other people. And it's only because I've been able to be in a healthy community. We see this. Pastor Josh 
and, and Ashley, when they worship practice and they rehearse for Sundays, their daughter is on stage with their hands raised. Yeah. Same with the Criddles. Same with Sarah and Cody. Their daughter is raising their hands, worshiping, singing at the, the, the highest they could sing. And it's amazing. Yeah. It encourages me so much. This is what it means to be an example, to model what it means to worship. And I love it. I love seeing parents pray for other people in the lobby because their, their kids are now able to see that. And, and their kids are hanging out with church fans too. And this is what community is about. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The third thing is he encouraged me not to get caught up in the world is crazy narrative, which was hard the last year, right? Last two years. My role as a follower of Jesus is to be in the world, but not of the world. To go in and be the salt and the light. Over the last couple of years, I found myself telling Kayla, this world is crazy. Hearing some of the stories that our youth tell us about TikTok challenges and all this stuff, I was like, man, are we ready? Are we ready to bring Jaden up in this world? And I began to have a fearful spirit as a parent. My kid's only one and a half, and we're worried about the world. But he began to, began to show me this, and God began to work it out, and shifting from fearful to hopeful. What if we were the ones to go into the world and be the salt and the light that it needs? What if I were to go into work believing the best about people instead of believing the worst? What if I were to go into work looking for somebody to pray for or connect with or point back to God and not just focused on the fearfulness of the world? He says this in Matthew 5. Chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That last part is key, not to glorify you, to glorify the Father in heaven. Remember, he's a generational God. It's never about you. It's always about the next. It's always about what God's doing in the big picture of the kingdom. And the last thing is I invite the band up to close here today. He began to move my heart to pray for the next generation. We're only here because the previous generation labored in prayer for us. We're only here because the previous generation labored in prayer for us. I'll never forget being prayed for by older couples in the church in my 20s. I almost flunked out of the college of business when I was in college. I got to a point where I was, I was working, I was going to school, and my GPA was suffering. I, I was starting to fail classes, and I was in the program called the Business Scholars Program, and you have to maintain a certain GPA, and I didn't meet that one semester. And I remember them having a conversation with me and telling me, maybe business isn't for you. Maybe this isn't what God has for you. I'm stressed. I mean, you're at 22, 23, trying to figure out your life, trying to build a career. And I remember couples in our church that have been there in the college season, struggling with exams, and they prayed for me. And that changed everything. It gave me peace. It gave me hope. It gave me understanding that I wasn't going through this alone. People had gone before me and dealt with the same things. Maybe not that one in particular, but they dealt with the college ups and downs of GPAs and classes. And that only happens because the previous generation was willing to pray for me because they understood the struggle. What are you going through today that you can pass on to the next generation? We got two options. We can let a generation rise up, grow up, and not ever know the goodness of God. Or we can do the opposite. 
and we can raise up the next generation. We can pray for them. We can teach them how to worship. We can teach them how to read the word. We can teach them how to pray for others. We can teach them how to be in healthy community without gossip, without saying, oh, you know, they got all this money and, and feeling bad for, you know, yourself. You can be excited to celebrate other people in community. They need to see that. They need to see that. And for parents, this is built in. You have a built-in stewardship in your own household. And this is, what's, this is what God's been stirring to me as a parent. I can't let so the world raise my son. I don't want to. I want to I dictate what he knows about God, not what little Billy in second grade teaches them about God and how he's not real and all this stuff. I want God to go in. I want, I want Jaden to go into those environments knowing and believing in faith to be the salt and light of the earth. We're called to this. So let's be a church who looks at the next generation, reaches back, and begins to raise them up. Let's be a church that builds again and builds together, not with them behind us, with them right beside us. That's what I want you to walk away with today. We're going to build again and build together after COVID and all this stuff. We're going to need them. This world is crazy. <laughs> I know I meant not to say that, but... This world needs them. This world needs them to be followers and light and salt of the earth. And we're called to raise them up. So God, as I close here today, I just pray over each and every person in the room, each and every family in the room that's represented, God. I pray for them that they would have a heart for the next generation, that they, they begin to stir in them, that they would begin to have conversations and meet people and, and communicate with people about what God has done in them. Their testimony has a purpose. Their pain and healing has a purpose for the next generation. What you have walked them through, the hardest moments, the heaviest moments, the happiest moments, God, is not just for us to look back at our life and write our own book. It's for us to share that with the next generation, to pray that over the next generation, to help them make wise decisions. So God, I, I pray that you continue to work this out in us, that we would be a church that does not end with us, that continues for generations and generations and generations, that you would continue to rise up believers and that San Antonio would never be the same because we made this decision today, today, to not worry about our own lives, but to be focused on what you're doing in the hearts and the minds and the, the, the really just their lives as the next generation, God. We thank you for the examples in the Bible that we're able to read and learn from God. We pray that we receive them today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank y'all. Love y'all. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.